Hello, welcome to another episode of Bill Allen's Tuesday and Thursday Bible Studies on Facebook. If you're watching live, you're on my page and welcome. I appreciate you doing that. I show this at Texas time on Tuesday and Thursday afternoons at 3 p.m. And then I immediately afterwards share it with uh, our West Irwin Live and West Irwin Church of Christ Facebook pages. Finally, after that, it is loaded onto our website, uh, westirwin.com. Irwin is spelled E-R-W-I-N, westirwin.com. Click on the Connect tab and scroll down to where it says uh, live streaming. Get over there and go to Video uh, Archive. And you'll be able to see all of the previous lessons, including this one, in just a few minutes after we're done. So I appreciate everyone who views these. I get comments occasionally, and I appreciate those uh, very much. And I've really enjoyed these studies. On Thursdays, we're looking at uh, the daily devotional book by Timothy and Kathy Keller, uh, The Songs of Jesus, centered on the Psalms. I'm looking forward to these next couple of lessons there because we're looking at that great psalm, Psalm 19, which focuses on creation and the Word of God. Uh, Wonderful psalm, Psalm 22, that begins with, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You remember that verse from someone other than a psalmist. And then, of course, also uh, the 23rd psalm will be coming up. Lots of great, great, great psalms. I love the psalms, one of my favorite books. And on Tuesdays, today... Uh, We're looking at a daily devotional book by Oswald Chambers, a classic entitled My Utmost for His Highest. And today focuses on something that's obviously very close to my heart as he talks about being called to teach the gospel, called to preach the gospel, to teach the word of God to others and what that calling uh, actually means and perhaps even a, a few things that it may not mean. And that's kind of where we begin Uh, In February 1st reading, as I do these, I always try to cover uh, something that we read over the past week or so, and that will be the same thing on on Thursday. But looking back to the February 1st reading, and my utmost for is highest, the title of that is The Call of God. And, uh, and, And so this lesson, entitled Call to Teach, reflects that and some of the things that he says about that calling of God. He quotes 1 Corinthians chapter 117, which says, Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Are you a little bit surprised by that statement? Well, I am. I mean, we focus a lot on baptisms and conversions, and rightly so, because we want people to be converted to Jesus Christ. And baptism is a part of the response of faith, according to the New Testament. We hear that word and we believe it. We believe Jesus died for our sins and that he rose from the dead. We confess that faith. We repent of our sins, which put him on the cross, change directions and get on a different path. And then we're baptized into Christ, buried with him through baptism into death, as Paul himself says in Romans 6 and in 1 Corinthians 2 as well, uh, in order to be raised to live a new life. And the new life is really what the New Testament is talking about. It's a, it's a church book. It's written to Christians about how to live faithfully uh, in light of the cross as, uh, as members of God's church. And so um, we get that. Well, Paul is surprisingly shocking when he's talking in 1 Corinthians 1 to the church at Corinth in modern-day Greece And he tells him, you know, I'm not really sure who all I baptized there. (laughs) It's just an amazing statement. And and then he says, again, in chapter 1, verse 17 of 1 Corinthians, Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach 
the gospel. And of course, he's talking about preaching the message, the saving message of the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ and uh, the response to that, the answer to the question, what must I do to be saved, as in the response of faith. And, uh, and then we continue teaching, as Jesus said in the Great Commission in Matthew 28, uh, I go into all the world and uh, share this message, make disciples of every nation baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe everything that I've commanded you. And I'll be with you forever to the very end of the age. So that the teaching doesn't stop at uh, conversion. <laughs> That's when a disciple is just starting out. That's why we call them a babe in Christ. It's a new birth, as Jesus tells Nicodemus in John 3 and and as um, Paul reflects on to Titus in Titus 3, it's, it's that washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. And so, and so Paul says it, it wasn't just for that moment. I have been called to preach the gospel. And he mentions to the Romans in Romans 1, I'm not ashamed of this gospel. I'm, I'm ready to preach it anywhere. Uh, and so as he continues talking to the Corinthians, though, Having made this incredible statement, he shares a little bit more about that. The Corinthians had a bad case of preacheritis. You thought your church was bad. Boy, the church at Corinth was really bad. Some of them said, hey, I'm a disciple of Paul. I'm a disciple of Peter. I'm a disciple of Apollos, who probably was the best preacher out of all of them. And some, even in a very divisive way, I think, kind of arrogant, said, oh, no, I'm a disciple of Christ. Well, Paul makes it very clear that only Jesus Christ was baptized or was uh, crucified on the cross for us. And we're baptized only in the name of Jesus Christ, not in the name of any preacher, no matter how great. But Paul makes an interesting statement as he continues that uh, discussion in 1 Corinthians 3. When he's talking about that division that was overtaking the church at Corinth based on who taught them or who baptized them, he, uh, he tells them, again, number one, I'm, I'm not sure who all I baptized. That's, that's not my primary task. That part is really up to the hearers. My primary task is to get the message to them. But Paul has great faith in God that that, that uh, message that he's putting out there will bear fruit. Because he tells the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, I planted the seed, Apollos watered, but it was God who gave the increase. God who made it grow. A great passage in the Old Testament in Isaiah 55, where God says, My word will not return to me empty. It will accomplish everything that I've set out for it to accomplish. That's one of the theme statements, theme verses for the wonderful Eastern European mission uh, ministry, which seeks to get the Bible out there to people in every way that they can, in every language that people speak, so that they can have the word of God. And, uh, and, and God promises that he will, that word will not return empty, that it will accomplish his purpose. And that's what Paul felt too. And that's why he could incredibly say in chapter one, Christ didn't send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. And in chapter three, hey, I, I did my part. I, I planted the seed. I got it going. Apollos, this great preacher, came and watered it and moved it along. And, but it was God in every step, in every stage, who makes it grow. And so it helps us as we consider this call to teach and call to preach. And I realize not everyone has that calling that Paul had. Not everybody has the calling that I have. I don't have the calling that some others have. 
to do great things in the name of Jesus Christ, whatever their profession, whatever their career, whatever their day-to-day schedule. But we're all called as disciples of Christ to be witnesses. Jesus said that himself in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. You will be my witnesses of everything that you've experienced, everything you've seen and heard uh, that has to do with me. And, and that's what we all are called uh, to do. But the one passion for Paul was to preach, was to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. In fact, he said, still in 1 Corinthians, later on in chapter 9, he says, Woe to me if I don't preach the gospel. He says, hey, look, I can't glory, I can't take pride in preaching the gospel. God has said it on my heart. I can't do anything but that. I I understand what he's talking about. Jeremiah understood what he was talking about as well. Because Jeremiah, remember Jeremiah? He was that Old Testament preacher, and he was preaching at a very difficult time for uh, the people of Judah and the people who lived in Jerusalem and in uh, the southern kingdom. And he was telling them, hey, the Babylonians are threatening us, and, and it's past time for repent. God, is, God has given up on our, our chances to repent. He wants us now to take our licks, to take our punishment, and to submit to that and surrender. It's not going to, we're not going to win this one. We're not going to win this one. And, and so he's, he's preaching that message over and over again. And you can imagine how distressing and disappointing and discouraging that was to hear and how they treated him when everyone else was saying, hey, let's fight. Let's, let's call to arms. Let's go to battle. We can win this thing. And Jeremiah is saying, we, we can't. This is from God. Um, we can't win this one. And so finally in chapter 20, Jeremiah says, I give up. And I, I, it, it's brought me nothing but trouble to preach this word. And so I'm, gonna, I'm done preaching. But he says, whenever I say that, the word is in my heart like a burning fire shut up in my soul and my body and I and I I have to let it out that's how Paul felt woe to me if I don't preach the gospel he says we're all called to be witnesses and then some are called uh, to preach some have that burning sensation inside of them uh, to do whatever we can to share that message with others Uh, others who are not Christians and have never obeyed the gospel never uh, uh, taken that obedient response of faith step and some who have done that a long time ago and yet are continuing to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ as Peter instructs at the end of Second Peter. And again, the New Testament is written to Christians for that very purpose, to help us to grow, to help us to learn what God's word and will is in our lives and to encourage each other Uh, to live that way. It's a tall task, I know. Uh, Paul refers to the the stinging pains he has inside of him, as uh, Oswald Chambers says, uh, to make sure that he speaks that message and preaches uh, that word. To the Romans, Paul would say, hey, you, you can't be saved unless you hear this message and respond to it, and you can't hear it and respond to it unless someone teaches you. And that's, and Paul took that call very, very seriously. Uh, it, was, it was a call to separate himself to this mission and this message. And we all seek to live faithfully in whatever calling God has given us. Uh, but for Paul, he said, woe to me if I do anything but preach 
the gospel of Jesus Christ. In fact, he says in, a, in, a, in February 4th's reading from Oswald Chambers' book, uh, he quotes 2 Corinthians 5, verse 14, the love of Christ compels us. Christ's love compels us. He says in that great passage in 2 Corinthians 5 that talks about how we are ministers of reconciliation. We've been reconciled, and now as Christians, as faithful disciples, we seek to witness to others about that and call on them, be reconciled to God. And that great statement at the end of 2 Corinthians 5, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. My very favorite scripture these days sounds much like a little bit advanced uh, statement of John 3:16 for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Uh, Paul says because Jesus took on the punishment that was due us, just like Isaiah 53 said he would, uh, we now through his sacrifice uh, can become the righteousness of God. It's just an amazing, amazing thing. And the and the one thing uh, Chambers says that gripped and held Paul to the exclusion of everything else was the love of God. Christ's love compels us, he says in 2 Corinthians 5, because we are convinced that one died for all, and so therefore all died, and all can be raised because of that one who died for us. Uh, we're called to be witnesses of Christ. No one is able to take this stand for Jesus Christ uh, unless it's through the majesty of his power. And for Paul, the one thing he lived for was to share that word uh, with others, to preach the gospel to them. We, we see that lived out in the book of Acts in Acts 26 when he is there uh, with the governor and with the king Agrippa and his sister. And, and he says, um, I, I, I would love, King Agrippa, for you to become a Christian, for you to be just like I am, except not, not in chains, not a prisoner. But that's that passage where Agrippa hears Paul tell his story, and uh, Paul becomes very, very uh, convincing in that story. And the king says, do you think, Paul, that in such a short time, one sermon, really, you could, you could make me a Christian? convince me to become a Christian, and that's one of the three times in the New Testament that the word Christian uh, is used. The first time in Acts 11, they were called Christians first at that wonderful church in Antioch of Syria. Later in 1 Peter 4, Peter uses it in the context of persecution. If you're going to suffer as a Christian, know that God will take care of you. And in that passage in Acts 26, where a King Agrippa says, you know, you think in just a short time you could make me uh, into a Christian? Almost thou persuadest me, uh, the familiar King James translation says, to become a Christian. And Paul says, I'd like nothing better. I'd like nothing better. Uh, this was the one thing that he lived for, to share the love of Christ with others. What's the one thing that you live for? Whatever it is, I hope that it's Jesus Christ. Whatever your career, whatever your day-to-day -day schedule, whatever your day-to-day -day life, I hope that beyond everything else, above and below the foundation of everything, is the love of Christ that compels you to be remembering all the time that Christ died for you, that he uh, gave himself so that you could become the righteousness of God. 
And in the midst of that, he showed his great love. Romans 5 says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And that's how God demonstrated his love for us, for me and for you. That's the great message we get to share. In spite of all the craziness that we see in the world around us, all the insecurity, all the anxiety, who knows what the future holds? Who knows what today holds? Well, God does. And he loves us. And it's that love that Jesus has for us, demonstrated on the cross of Christ, that compels us to live faithfully to him each day and to share this message with anyone who will listen. I pray God's blessing upon you, and I look forward to sharing with you from some of these great songs on Thursday. God bless. <laughs>